pull up a chair and buckle up. It's the Original Strength Podcast. Hey guys, this week I am talking with the dirty runner, Sarah Scazzaro, and we are talking about running, the joy of running, the pure, unadulterated joy of running, and what would possess someone to become an ultramarathon runner, and then love it so much that you want to teach other people how to do it. Sarah is an amazing runner, and she has a good running story. She's overcome injury and returned to the one true love that she absolutely loves to do, and she is infectious. You're going to love this episode, guys, so thank you so much, and enjoy the show. So, Sarah, you are the dirty runner. Mm-hmm. Um, you are a personal trainer and a running coach, but and I want to get into your story, but I guess we'll do it this way. How long have you been... A personal trainer and or a running coach started personal training back in 2005 and started a becoming i was a, officially a running coach in 2013 so almost eight years for that and 16 for personal training but you yourself are an ultra runner correct every time i see you on instagram facebook or anywhere you're running and when i've seen you in person you've been running it's <laughs> true that's true so how many, how many ultra races have you run? Do you know? Oh gosh, I don't off the top of my head. I know I've done at least 15, 50 milers, which is my favorite distance. I know. Um, I've done three 100s and I've done three 100 Ks. Yes, three 100 Ks. I should know this, but I just love running so much that I don't worry so much about the stats and numbers. Um, yeah, uh, so probably over 25 between everything but 50ks 100ks 100 miles on the average week how yeah. far how far well how often and how far do you run so it depends on where i'm at in my training cycle so if i'm kind of off season kind of in the mid, like a volume build right now i'm about 50 miles a week um i don't have an event coming up until the end of well there might be one in april but with covid it's in italy so that's kind of sketchy <laughs> so i've got my probably event that will happen at the end of june um, so my mileage will ramp up slightly a bit there to 60 to 70 miles. And I run about six days a week. Right now I'm, I'm, ta- I'm more toggling around five because I'm not in a volume build. Um, but when I'm in heavy season, it'll be about six days a week. But I take one full rest day off a week. So is there, is there really a run in season or are your seasons just like targets for the races you want to run? It, exactly, your la- exactly what you just said. So it's not so much that like off season is winter. It's more of when is your event and then kind of back backing up from that kind of the phases. So if you have, uh, there are some folks that are racing right now, there's a hundred miler coming up in the beginning of February. So people have been doing their hardcore volume training all winter. Um, but since my races are tend to be spring and summer, this is kind of my easy time. <laughs> so I got to ask you, cause like, so you've been to my town, it's a small town and, and in the town, they have a yearly 5k. Yeah. And, and every year people are like, you're going to run the 5k. And every year I'm like, I have a car. So, but you run 50 miles a week right now in your, in your off season and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you said, I really love running. So I don't even keep track of how many races I've run. What is it about running that makes you love it? Like, why do you love running? Oh gosh. I get asked that a lot. Um, and it's hard to pin down. Um, I've always loved it. When I was a little kid, I tell this story though, like my parents didn't know what to do with my energy. I was one of, you've met me, so maybe you can understand. I have a, a lot of energy. 
and my parents didn't know what to do with me. So my dad was like, well, I'll go running with her. I was, I was five at the time. He's like, we'll just go running around the block. Well, he didn't, I, he couldn't keep up with me. So he started riding his bike and I started running while he rode his bike. And we'd go to like Winchell's Donuts, which was like this donut shop in Southern California. Um, so like fond memories of just childhood, but to me, it's always just been freedom. And because I predominantly prefer, um, I label myself more of as a trail runner, an trail and ultra runner versus like a road racer. Although I do do road races. Um, it's just being in tune with nature. I love being outside. Um, I love enjoying every season, cold, wind, rain, sun. Um, I just feel like there's more of this communion with nature and I get to do that on my own two feet. So you, you, I think you actually just solved something for me. So the only time I've ever enjoyed running for distance, it was in uh, like those uh, obstacle course races. Oh and, yeah. And all of them were through the woods though. And that's when I like, I, I did enjoy that. It was, it felt like going, you know, last of the Mohicans um, when the guy's running up a mountain through the, through the forest. Yeah. And, and then that was wonderful. But if you put me out in the middle of the blazing sun on a, on asphalt, I can't stand it. And I think that's what I, when I meet people, first of all, it's okay not to like running. I've met a lot of people that are like, I hate running. And I'm like, that's okay. You know, you, you, yes, I'm just like move. If it's walking, if it's hiking, if it's biking, if it's lifting, just move. Right. But oftentimes when someone says they hate running, I'll be like, well, have you ever been out on the trails? If you're, cause if you're just comparing it to like high school laps around the track or um, my husband's military. So having to do like military PT, you know, where you're like made to run um, like a hamster around a wheel or you're on a treadmill. I'm like, well, try getting outside and see if you feel the same way. Because I feel like that changes things. So, and I know you love trail running more than road running, but do you, have you found that other than being in nature, to me, the being out on the trails, like I, know, I can remember with the obstacle courses, I had to be so much more alert or aware of where I was running, how I was stepping and things like, so it was more mentally engaging, I guess, than just yeah. plodding along. Yeah, and that's a great point, right? So you're having to be more um, aware of like where your feet are going and roots and rocks and, you know, trees overhead. And there's just a lot more to keep you mentally stimulated and also mentally tuned into the run. And I know a lot of people like to check out when they run. That's okay too. But I find having more of an awareness with your environment kind of makes you more aware with, of your body as well and kind of checking in with yourself. So I find it a lot more enjoyable and rewarding in that aspect so would you say i guess it's running is your your love it's your it's your first love don't tell my husband that okay oh. <laughs> okay <laughs> yes but okay so in being that you love it so much in 2002 i think you had an injury i did what happened Good memory. i was running and long story short i stepped on a piece of concrete that a tree root had grown underneath and so when I landed down, my knee piper extended backwards and, and I had a medial tibial plateau stress, like a fracture. So it wasn't even a stress fracture. It was about a half inch. Just the joint went down on the medial aspect of the tibia. And yeah. <laughs> so I was in hospital for a week. I've had three surgeries on the knee. I had hardware, in, hardware installed. Sounds like a, like a software update, but um, that's all been since removed. But flat out the doctors told my parents when I came out of surgery that she, they're like, she will never run again. And that was really hard for me 
But I've, I've told people this before. I think sometimes you have to lose something to gain perspective about other things and then also have a greater appreciation of that thing that you lost. And sometimes you get it back and sometimes you don't. So I was lucky that I got it back. Um, I'm able to run again, but it, I wasn't for, let's see, 2000. So eight, eight years, it was 2010 when I was able to start running again. Wow. Um, so eight, yeah, eight years of no running, which was part of, so the, the cool thing about that journey though is that's why I got into personal training and that's why I got into lifting and that's why I got into all these other things because I couldn't run and I wanted to move my body. So I was like, well, what else can I do? Instead of sitting on the couch and feeling sorry for myself, which I did do for a little while. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, but I, and then I wanted to try to strengthen and, and help myself. And then I thought, well, how can I help other people? And so it just kind of evolved. And then when I was able to run again, um, I never, I never take a run for granted ever because, and I know that it's limited. I know that like, I know what the condition of my knee and I know that I have arthritis there. And I know that someday it's going to be where like, okay, this isn't, this is painful or it's not good for me anymore. So I'm just enjoying what I have now. So, so how, uh, I think it's beautiful that you were like, well, what else can I do? So you found other ways to move and then you use that to, to inspire you to help other people move where they could move. Mm -hmm. How did you get to the point where you started running again? Like what made you curious enough to say, what if, or can I, or like, yeah. how did that happen? I just missed it. <laughs> I just really missed it. And I think being able to do all these other things physically that once I had my injury, it was kind of like starting at ground zero. I didn't know what my limitations were because the doctors will give you like, you shouldn't do this. You can't do this. You have to avoid this. So I was just kind of testing my edges and finding what I could do and being pleasantly surprised. Um, oh, I can do this. And that didn't hurt. And this felt great. And I'm actually pretty good at deadlifting <laughs> because I'm really long torso and short legs. So I found other things that kind of excited me, but nothing lit me up like running. Um, cause I caught like my moving, my moving meditation. It's just me getting outside and I just process things that way. Um, so we were actually living here We're in where I'm in Germany right now. And we were in Germany when this was all unfolding. And I just woke up one morning and I was like, I, I really want to run again. And so I actually flew back on a trip to see my parents and saw my original orthopedic surgeon. And I paid out of pocket for all the tech for some scans. And I said, what, what do you think? And he's like, he looked at my, my x-ray and my scans he's like how long ago was this and I was like eight years and he's like well I'm not going to tell you to run or but I'm gonna but if you do keep it to a mile or two no more than two or three times a week <laughs> and I was like done and he said if it hurts or it swells don't do it and so I just started I think my first run back I probably ran a total of two minutes within that walk and I cried the whole time I was so happy like oh wow I was so happy. I was just, I couldn't believe it. In my mind, Chariots of Fire was playing. You know, it was like the whole movie reel was going. I was swift. I probably was plodding along, you know, 12 minute mile, 15 minute miles, who knows? It doesn't matter. But I felt like I was flying and I haven't really looked back since. And yeah. So, but you have far exceeded the two to three times a week of maybe a mile or so. Yeah. But I think a lot of that was listening to my body. A lot of that was listening to my body. I'm, as a run coach, and I'm, a, I'm big on this with my athletes, I, if something hurts or if something doesn't feel right, you don't push through there. I don't believe in the whole no pain, no gain. 
um, your body's telling you something. And so if my knee ever doesn't feel right, and I know what my new normal is with my body, like what's, oh, that's just the way my knee feels now versus I need to pump the brakes and not run today. I listen to it. And I think that served me pretty well. Well, so your knee allows you to run your sweet spot of 50 miles at a time, but up to a hundred. Yeah. Also. Yeah. (laughs) Like, so it sounds like there's no limitations on your knee or you for that. No, I haven't seen my doctor again at this point. I'm pretty much going to be the self-limiter on this one. So when my body's like, stop doing that, then maybe it'll be no more hundreds and it'll be fifties. And then someday it'll be 50 Ks. And then someday it'll just be a walk. Who knows? But I'm embracing what I can do every day. So, so that's, um, that's amazing. Uh, And it's, it's it is a very, I mean, because like you said, something was taken away and you were told you would never do it again. And you didn't necessarily bury yourself, but you looked for other ways that you could move, but then something in you still pushed you along the line to test the waters and, and you got back to where you wanted to be. Yeah. And I know that's not, that's not the case with everything in life. So like I said earlier, sometimes things are taken away or we, or we have a new limit and we can't go back to where we were. So I know I'm lucky, but I'm also really thankful for that time I had when I couldn't run because it made me a better coach. It made me a better trainer. It made me a better human because I learned to process things without just going out and running as my sole way of dealing with things, um, which I said earlier, it's my moving meditation, but I think of it as like in a healthful way, whereas before it would almost become a compulsion, um, you know, versus maybe processing things. So it's, I have a much more balanced and healthy, I think, relationship with movement and running because of this whole experience. So here's a question and I, I, I already think I know the answer, but I'm not <laughs> sure. So all of that mileage that you're able to put on your body um, and you hear like, you hear there's all types of opinions. Um, we should run, we're born to run where we shouldn't run, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Does running, does it, is it harmful to the body or does it actually help the body? Like, does it break the body down? Does it wear the joints out or does it actually keep the joints? What do you think? I think <laughs> if you're talking to someone who loves running, right? I think it could be good for you. What, what happens is, is when someone has like a biomechanical issue or they have an injury or they've got something like, uh, it would be a totally dishonest for me to say like, yes, I know I've got some arthritis in my knee. So is running on that knee a good idea? I don't know. Is it, am I, am I further degrading that joint by continuing to run on it? Or am I keeping the joint, you know, the synovial fluid going and everything kind of like the, you know, the grease in the wheels, as it were, and keeping myself healthy. I don't know. You know, um, I think it's good for the body. I think it's good for the soul. I think it's good for the spirit for a lot of people. And I think at what point do you say, well, you know, maybe you'll have to stop running five years earlier than doing this other app, you know, modality of movement, but the joy that it gave you in the meantime, who's to say, so it's more about the adventure of it too than the outcome of it later also. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I just want to go run in the mountains, hang out with cool people, eat. <laughs> you know? so. And eat as much as you want to after you run. Oh, it's debatable, but <laughs> I do have a sweet tooth. So yeah, but I do think, you know, I'll be the first one to say that are there other healthier ways to move? 
perhaps walking is a lot gentler. It's a lot more accessible to more people. You know, as we age, walking is uh, something I think that can just kind of blend easier into life than continuing to run as people do when they're younger. Um, and I'm, I'm definitely appreciating my walking more now than I used to. I love walking. Oh yeah. That has been so my sanity check in this new world yeah. that we're in. Yeah. And, and I, th and that's just it. So like go walk in the woods. You don't have to necessarily run. And I think for some people walking is going to be better, even if they're a runner, because right now, especially with all the stress going on and we're in this constant flight or fight, you know, our nervous systems are just, we're, there's so much stress. And for some people that run can be helpful. And for other people that can pile on more stress. So getting out and walking and just breathing and being outside can be very restorative. So with all the running you do, you're not just putting mileage on, well, your entire body's taking the mileage. Yes. But the first thing in, con in contact with the ground on all every step you take is your feet. Correct. What is your stance on foot health or how do you keep your feet healthy? Uh, shoes, no shoes, wide toe box, narrow toe, like where do you, yeah. where do you resonate with that? I do wear shoes. Um, I wear a, I do, I, I wear a brand. I'm an ambassador for them, but I'm a, I, I prefer a wide toe box. So I like a, I need a narrow heel and a wide toe box. So I like my toes to be able to display. Um, I do a more of a minimal, so a zero to five millimeter drop. Um, I'm generally in the three to five millimeter, zero mil, zero drop honestly bothers my knee personally, but I've got tons of athletes that do well with it. It's a very personal thing, right? Mm -hmm. the, the shoe you're in, the drop you're in. Um, but I do think universally wide toe box is beneficial. Display those toes, be able to move huge on foot health, big, 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 big on foot health. So I personally do it daily, roll my foot on a ball, top of the foot stretch, toe lifts and spreading. Um, I incorporate a lot of original strength type, the rocks and roll, you know, the movements for that dorsiflexion and plantar flexion and getting the foot in all those different positions. Um, so I do a lot of that. I have my athletes do a lot of that. Um, and then walking around barefoot at home just to kind of get that healthy proprioception off the ground and everything at the feet so that's pretty neat that you said it is it's, it's personal um so oh, my yeah. my best friend runs like i think he averages maybe 10 miles a day on the weekends he does his longer runs and stuff nice and he, he's tried all kinds of shoes and he he really loves the idea of wanting to be zero drop yeah but he's found that when he does wear zero or no elevation that it aggravates his Achilles tendon, but just mm -hmm. a five millimeter, like we were talking about this yesterday, but just a five millimeter lift. I think he bought, I think it's your shoes, like, like Topo. Five yeah, millimeter. it's Topo. Yep. He was raving about these things. He goes, yeah. he goes, it's crazy. He goes, but I know it's only five millimeters, but I can run in those forever and it doesn't hurt my Achilles. Yeah. And it's just that, you know, that much. A little that, bit. Because right. if you look at five millimeters, it's not much. That's nothing. <laughs> but, but purists will be like, oh, you know, zero drop it. And I get it. But if that five millimeter is the difference between him running pain-free. Right. Right. And, and then there's the whole, well, why is the Achilles hurting in the zero drop and what other things can you do? But for some people it's like, yeah, you can do all that work, but you're still going to have this aggravation. So find what works for you. So I'm, I'm never, I don't believe in like knocking, like if someone wants to wear a 10 millimeter shoe and they never have a problem trying to throw them in a zero drop shoe could suddenly cause Achilles tendonitis or other issues. Like you're creating a problem. Right. So it's like meeting someone where they're at. And then like, do we need to change something? 
if they're interested perhaps, but there's gotta be a lot of foot care and a lot of things that are done. You can't just do that kind of a jump. And then explore why, why do you want to? Is it because you think it's, you need to? Or is it, yeah, or is it just because everybody says you should or? Yeah, exactly. Did someone say, oh, you need to be in this type of shoe? Well, maybe you'll benefit from it, but maybe it'll cause more problems for, with where that individual is right now. You know, like your friend, they're great in a five millimeter. Keep on, I mean, that's my sweet spot is a five millimeter. Most of my shoes, I run three, but most of them are a five. And that's, that's tends to be where I'm the happiest. Awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so when you coach your clients, do you, do people come to you wanting to run 50 milers, hundred milers, or did they just do most of your clients just like want to run like, or is it all of the above? Oh, it's been a transition. So before it was a good mix, uh, definitely a good mix of people that were, I want to do my first half marathon or my first marathon. Uh, I started working with a different um, organization about a little over a year ago and their primary, uh, focus is athletes as ultra running. So now all of the athletes that I'm getting are all going for hundred miles, 50 miles, 50 K uh, multi-day events and things like that. So most of my athletes right now are pure ultra runners, but um, you do get the, the person that'll come in there and be like, I've never done an ultra runner and I want to. And that's super fun too, because everything's new and exciting. Every distance is a benchmark, you know, every, everything is, yeah. Is there a time frame for somebody that's never done an ultra to get them to the point? Like, like, have you found, or is it, I'm sure it's person specific in how yeah. much, how much they're willing to show up and everything, but it, it really is specific. How much time can they, how, how much can they run in a week? You know, someone that can only run three days of work versus someone that can work, run five days a week, how much volume, because if you're say going to prepare for a hundred, trying to cram a, the volume you'd need cumulatively over weeks into three days a week is, is challenging. People do it, but that's totally different than someone who's got six months and five or six days a week to run and has done a 50 mile or a 50 K. So they've got like a foundation going into it. So it, it's, it's definitely very individual. Given the, the times of day, or excuse me, the number of times you run a week yeah. or, or the, well, I guess I got two questions. How often, given your running volume, how often do you strength train? Three days a week. Okay, so you, you're still able to get that in. Yep. And when you're coaching your clients to to run their ultra marathons, are you also training them on their strength training and their yes. their? So it's it's full service. Yes. Yeah. For those that want it, there are some that don't want it or that maybe work in person with a trainer or belong to a gym and they, they kind of have that set. But for those that want it, yes, that is something I develop. Um, and for most people, it's th two to th three days a week, depending on where they are. Um, if they're within three months of a, of a, like an A event, we usually go down to like more two days a week. And then it's definitely more um, kind of maintenance stuff on the body and, you know, that type of work versus like a heavy five by five type of strength cycle or anything like that. What are the caloric requirements or needs for someone like, well, even for yourself or for somebody that participates in ultra events, like yeah. how much energy does a person need to consume to be able to run like the road runner and never stop? 
Ooh, good question. During the runs, at least 150 to 250 calories an hour is, is during the run. During the runs, minimum after you know after obviously if you're just going out for an hour, you're fine. But if you're going to be out there two, three plus hours, um, and then 16 to 32 ounces of water fluids is usually recommended, and those are just baselines. So that doesn't take into account um, heavy sweating, heat, humidity. Uh, and then calorically, you got to train your gut for things like 100 milers. So ultimately, you probably want to get closer to 300 calories an hour at times, 350. Yeah, it's a lot. It's basically a buffet. You're just running and eating. That's all you're doing. <laughs> but outside of that, it, it really depends on the person. And I'll be completely transparent. Um, I've had a history of in a, like a, a not good relationship with food in my youth. So I don't track my calories because it puts me in a very... Well, rightly so then. Yeah. <laughs> if you know you don't need to track your food, then you don't need to track your yeah, food. Yeah. So I don't know how much I'm eating. And some people should would argue that maybe I do. And I'm like, well, do I feel good? Am I sleeping well? Am I recovering? Do I have the Ooh. energy to do my runs? Litmus test. Yeah. It's just, and again, I think that is being in tune with your body. Because if I start writing everything down and then I look at, you know, the paper, I'll be like, oh, I've eaten too much, but I'm hungry. It's like, well, maybe you didn't eat enough. You're hungry because your body needs food or are you hungry because you're bored or I just the numbers to me as long as I'm feeling good recovering well and still getting you know my body is showing up every day I feel like I'm doing pretty good so. do you along with that do you gravitate towards particular philosophies of eating like versus uh for ultra runners high carb low carb, keto, uh, intermittent fasting, or does any of that matter? For me, no, it doesn't. And there are, there are studies, you know, a lot of people intermittent fasting is, is very kind of hot right now, but there are studies that if you're going for performance, see, that's the thing, people will be going for aesthetics, they'll be going for fat loss, but if you're going for performance, I'm more in the camp that does not really go towards intermittent fasting for performance. There are people that do it. And then there are also fat adapted athletes within the ultra running community where, you know, they're very, very high fat, low carbohydrate, and they perform beautifully, but it takes a while to train their body to be able to do that. So most people off the street can't just be, you know, go from where they are to fat adapted athlete in three months and run their hundred and not consume carbohydrates. Right. Um, for myself, I'm a vegetarian. So I've been a vegetarian for, for quite a while. So I, um, that works for me. I tend to do very well though on higher fat with protein. I don't, I do actually very respond very well. My, I like breads and carbs, but we, as I just told you earlier, that's changing. So, um, but yeah, so, but I do eat eggs and cheese and legumes. So I'm, I'm one of those vegetarians that likes all that. The kind that likes eggs and cheese. Yeah. Which was not to, it's hard not to like eggs and cheese. And honestly. butter. Who doesn't love butter? Gosh, it just makes the, everything better. I'm the kind of person that can eat butter with a spoon. Now y'all like know that. <laughs> Is it? Oh, well, here's it. Salted or unsalted butter with a salted. spoon? Yes. We're right here. <laughs> well, Squatty Potty. Remember, we bonded over that. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. First time we met. We, yeah. If anybody's interested, it was the Travel Squatty Potty. Now you know. So. Approved by runners everywhere. Approved by, <laughs> seriously, right? You can pack that in your vest and run in the woods. You've got your squatty potty. We just took care of their next marketing campaign. We did. That's, you can pay us um, by Venmo and that would be fine. Um, <laughs> so, so all the races you uh, have ran, 
What was the toughest one? Mentally or physically? Yes, both. Sure. <laughs> um, physically, well, my favorite race is the Never Summer 100K in Gould, Colorado. Hands down. If anybody wants a gorgeous, absolutely phenomenally well run out in nature in the wild, 100K. It happens in late July in Colorado. Highly recommended. Um, that one is physically tough too because you're at pretty high elevation. Um, mm. So if you're not, if you like at the time I trained for it, I was living in North Dakota, basically like the mountains of Colorado. Right. Right. Yeah. So that can be kind of tricky and, and lots of climbing, but the views, like they say, the views will take your breath away. The elevation doesn't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the altitude doesn't. One way or um, another, you're going to lose your breath. <laughs> right. That one, that one was physically, that was tough. Mentally for me, honestly, my first hundred was nothing but sound of music running through the woods, just joyful. Like that was cake. My first hundred, I wish they could all be like that. Cause then the next one you're like, oh shoot, this is what it's really like. That was hard. The first one was easy. Um, easy mentally. Cause I was so engaged in every right. single moment, every single minute. I could tell you almost every minute on that course, what I was feeling and thinking. Cause I was that so dialed into the amazing. experience. Yeah. That, I mean, I was just so online with that. Honestly, I think hardest mentally was probably Leadville, even though it's one of the easier, it's the, it's pretty, it's got like a lot of prestige, you know, it's not a hard course. And I'm not saying that to demean anybody that's done it and hasn't succeeded. The course itself is not difficult. The elevation is tricky and the time cutoffs are tricky and that can get people. And I had a wonderful time connecting with a friend that I hadn't seen in a while on the trail and I know it's a total stretch of the imagination, but we just started talking and hanging out and talking. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're going to miss a cutoff. And so from the back 50 to the, to the finish, I was chasing cutoffs and I've never been in that position in a race before. Oh. So having to like dig deep, my pacer at one point was like, holy crap, like what's gotten into you? Cause I was just so angry. <laughs> I was like, I've never run like, but it was more of just like, I couldn't let myself mentally check out because I had to be tight with everything going forward or I was going to get cut. And I finished that race with, I think, 18 minutes to spare. Yeah. I had, tw I had 30 hours and I think I finished that in 2942. Oh my gosh. So yeah. I, was I cut that one way too close. Way too close. <laughs> it's really hard for me to even fathom being awake for 30 yeah hours and you're talking about running for 30 hours that's that's amazing well that or crazy but Could we'll go with amazing we'll go with amazing yeah it that that one but then again because i've never been in a race that long and i never had you know i'd never my other hundreds are like 25 my 100k's 15 to 20 so that was the longest i'd been on my legs and so mentally that put me in a different place so yeah so you're in germany right now soon to go to Italy. Correct. But I'm assuming your clients are anywhere. Yes. I've got athletes in Finland, Norway, the States, here in Germany, all over the world. If, if someone were curious and they wanted to look you up or they wanted to run their first 50, 50 mile or how, how could they find you or get in touch with you? Well, there's Instagram, dirty runner, D-R-T-Y, because I don't believe in vowels. <laughs> so. I would like to buy, you cannot buy a vowel, no. 
in Iowa. Someone already had Dirty Runner when I signed up like six and a half years ago. So I was like, the next best thing, I'll be the cool kid. Um, so there's Dirty Runner on Instagram. And then there's also dirtyrunner at gmail.com or professionally I work through S. Scazzaro, which is my last name. We'll have that in the notes at trainright.com is my official coaching with CTS. Yes, and I will put all of that in, oh, in the notes as well. Too kind. <laughs> Sarah, thank you so much for, for sharing your passion with us. Thank you for having me. This was great. It was good to connect and catch up. It was. I have one more question before you go. Yeah. Crunchy peanut butter or creamy peanut butter? Crunchy. Right on. <laughs> no I hesitation. I, I think I knew that, but yeah, you were out of the gate. You didn't even, no hesitation nope. at all. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend.